0: This is information not being reported by anyone else. You want the scoop? Here it is with Darren Doogie Wolfson.
1: Happy Thanksgiving, Scoop Podcast faithful. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to choose to listen to this podcast. There are many options out there. I am incredibly devoted to you. The listener, whether this is your first episode listening to or you are a religious listener going back over 100 episodes, I thank you from the bottom of my heart, especially this week, a week of giving, Thanksgiving week. It is Scoop Podcast episode 110. We will start with Mike Radcliffe of the Twins. Talk off-season. Things should pick up here in the next couple weeks, undoubtedly. Then we'll get to some other things. This will be a one-podcast week, just with the goofiness of the schedule, you know, being off with the holiday, although in the office, At the end of the week, but more so on the TV side, being dragged in that direction. So I think the only time I'll have to record a podcast will be here early in the week. Portions of this podcast taped on Monday the 20th, others on Tuesday the 21st. First, some love for one of the sponsors of the Scoop podcast, Vine Park Brewing, vinepark.com. Whether it's Thanksgiving, if you're able to get in there sometime on Wednesday, Wednesday, or it's some holiday party in December, swing in, grab a growler. Or for $7, you go into Vine Park Brewing in St. Paul on West 7th Street. They've been around for 22 years, so you know they have a good-tasting product if they've lasted 22 years in this very competitive beer marketplace. You can go in for 7 bucks. You can see how they make their beer, their wine, their root beer. Then you get a flight or a pint plus Higgy's Pizza, all for $7. Or you go in there. You make your own beer. You make your own wine on their equipment with their help. It is Vine Park Brewing in St. Paul. Again, for more information, go to their website, vinepark.com. All right, let's bring Mike Radcliffe into the conversation. Twins Vice President. Mike, certainly looking back at 2017, I think a lot of us thought there was no way you guys could be as bad as you were in 2016. But making the jump all the way to 85 wins, finding a way at 85 wins to get into the playoffs... Does that change your guys' approach this off season? Now seeing okay, this is a playoff type roster, you know, you have to be that much more aggressive this off season. Is your approach this off season different now because you guys are coming off a playoff appearance?
0: Well, I can only answer that from my position as a scout. You know, we, we tend to see things in a little longer track. We we didn't just look or I don't just look at The bad 2016 and the much better 2017, we were actually pretty good in 2015. So, you know, we weren't as bad as that record last year, and we knew that internally. uh, But we also always, uh, especially now I'm talking again from a scouting perspective, always have to see the long term. Sure, we had a good year. We made the playoffs and so we want to we want to go further. Who doesn't? Everybody does. But you have to keep in mind the long term and all of your decision-making processes when you're you knowing you're building a building a building a major league team but but building an organization. So uh, I know that there's a lot of uh rhetoric about, you know, we had this, we had that and there you are it, it's it's not that easy. It, there's it's there's way more nuance to it than, than that. So certainly there's a, you know, a more glaring spotlight on the short term because of our great, you know, our ex are better here. And, you know, we want to add on to that, but there's always a long term when you're in the, in the
2: front office of a
0: major league team and, and Thad and Derek
1: are, are very cognizant of that. and we'll,
0: You know, they'll do, they'll do their decisions with that in mind.
1: How involved are you in those decisions, Mike?
0: Well, there's a lot of us, you know, as Thad and Derek, uh, said when they get, came in, it's going to be a collaborative effort to move forward. So they've incorporated a lot of people. We've, we've added people and, and he's incorporated, they have incorporated a lot of people into the different decision making processes. So, you know, we, well, there's constant communication via, you know, all the different mediums that we have available to communicate with now. And, and then and Derek are, are, are very, very uh
1: savvy with all that the long-term outlook the short-term outlook can't there be some overlap there where the two mesh where you can sign a 28 29 year old starting pitcher to a multi-year deal maybe even a five six-year deal where it makes sense in the short term but it can also benefit you in the long term
0: i hope so i think that and derek have been very uh out front that that's that's our objective that's that's what we hope happens certainly we want to Add to the core that we have right now that we're a part of the 85 win team and, and move forward. So, and everybody knows that pitching is, is the area where we need to address. So, but yeah, I, I think everybody hopes that's the case for
1: sure. You need to address the starting rotation more or the bullpen?
0: Well, I don't know if there's an exact answer to that. You know, pitching in general has to improve in both areas. We didn't rank very high. So, you know, we're going to have to. But it's a combination effort. It's not just one player coming from the outside. There's there's means and ways to improve internally with uh, players that are already been on the roster yet and also players that were already there. We saw just an example of that last year. Kyle Gibson went from almost being non-contributory to, to being somebody that was very important in the last couple of months of the year. So there's a lot of different ways to address it. The uh, obviously splashy way is to add this five or six-year contract are alluding to this this great pitcher, but we're we're looking at many other ways to improve our team.
1: I mean, the blanket statement of giving any pitcher a six-year deal, how much does that frighten you? Or is it just case by case where you would be open to giving some pitcher a six-year deal?
0: Well, we all have our own individual feelings about that, but, uh, you know, what what happens uh, organizationally is what matters. So, you know, that's something that Derek Thad, ownership, all have to, you know, be, be together with. And, you know, we're all a part of it, making our uh, giving our evaluations and our opinions. But that turns out to be a, a collaborative decision at a much higher level.
1: All right, keep the scouting hat on. As you look at the four teams above you guys from this past year, you know, you look at those four teams, the Yankees, the Indians, the Astros, the Red Sox. And like the five or six teams below you, right below you, whether it's the Rangers, the Orioles, go up and down the list, Blue Jays, Rays, are you guys closer to those top four or are you more in that mix with those five or six other teams that were chasing you for that second wild card?
0: Uh, that's a pretty good question. I, I, I'm i not sure I'm ready to give a direct answer to that, but I, I can tell you that all those teams who, you listed them as below, you know, we're right there with us, right in mm-hmm. the end. If we don't make a significant address to our team and a significant improvement, you know, we'll get passed by by one or some of those teams. So that that's the challenge this year. We we have to get better. And, you know, whether it's by adding that one, two, three players from the outside to address our needs or continuing to grow with our current players, we we absolutely – have to get better. You know, you can go to the different points on the calendar. it's adds alluded to it, I know, and so has Derek. You know, we only had a 4% chance, according to the experts, there at one particular point in time. And then, then we were the playoff team. So things evolve. Things are fluid. Things change. Injuries happen. There's lots of things that go into the equation. So uh, we're very aware. Maybe we don't put it quite like you did. Those teams way ahead of us, those teams right around us, but we're very aware that we've got to continue to improve, not only in the short term, but in the long term, to sustain success and to have the ability to have success over a long period of time.
1: If the offense is back mm-hmm. as is, if it's status quo with the offense, you know, maybe Vargas is the D H. You know, position wise, you know, everybody's pretty much locked in. Maybe Escobar, you know, is locked in at third, maybe Sano's your D H. Are you okay offensively or do you think you need to add a bat this offseason?
0: Well, it's you know two different. We're okay. I think we'll be okay with the present group we have, but there's there'll obviously be some fluctuation. Some guys won't do as well as they did, and maybe a few other guys will do a little better. But we scored an appropriate number of runs to mm-hmm. be a competitive team. But that run differential needs to needs to be better, and you know so that that means basically addressing the pitching and and maybe defense as well
1: in some spots. You spent some time at the Arizona Fall League. What stood out from your time in Arizona?
0: Well, it, the league's getting just in general. The league's getting younger. It's not quite uh, the group of players that are immediately going to impact the major leagues. Although there are players like that out there, you know, Cunha and Robles, and there's guys like that out there as well. But it's it's a little bit more of a developmental league now than the, the finishing league that it was, uh, you know, set up to be. In regards to the twins' players, uh, you know I think the two guys that you know maybe stand out are, are Chris Paul and Tyler Jay. They both performed and, and uh, exhibited abilities uh, from since their injuries. You know they're both coming back from injuries that ended their season. In Jay's case, he barely got to play this year, but they did things and performed well enough. I think now they can go into their off-season programs and feel really good about going to spring training and beginning next year in a real positive state of mind. Do
1: you feel really good, speaking of really good, about Tyler J's chances to help your bullpen in 2018?
0: Well, I, I'm not going to go that far. Heck, he was just, he hardly pitched, you know. He, he barely got on the mound this year, and uh, he he actually made a lot of progress from the beginning of the fall league to the end. He, he got his fastball up there a little better, felt better about throwing his, his other pitches, so you know, he's just getting the rust off, you know, I had to make that kind of assessment. I think we should probably wait till next spring and see how he, see how he performs and settles in. But, you know, I, I know he has to feel good about himself to get through that fall league and to make the progression he did and get out there on the mound and do the things he did. So all positive in, in, a, in a process of progression that, you know, you want to see for him because he's very talented. He's a guy that you hope can impact our Major League team as soon as possible. That would be great if it was next year, but I think we'll wait till the spring to make those kind of assessments.
1: You need to make some assessments now on the 40-man roster. There are some easy decisions, Mike, like Stephen Gonsalves is an obvious add to the 40-man roster. How many, how many tough decisions are there?
0: Well, there's a lot. I'm not sure I'm going to comment too much on the 40-man roster when we're getting down to the last Four or five hours of, of discussion on it. You know, it doesn't really behoove me to talk. You're right. There's some obvious guys. Stephen Gonzalez is not much of a discussion. But there's a number of others that, you know, do require, you know, everybody talking and figuring it out. And, we, and you know, as you alluded to earlier, we need to leave some room because we need to add on. We need to add some other guys. So, you know, I they'll there'll be
1: some tough decisions
0: over the next few hours and, you know, see how it plays out.
1: How good is Shohei Ohtani?
0: <laughs> uh,
1: well, I
0: don't. You don't need my scouting assessment to to, to add to what? Well, the, sure we do. Yeah, I mean you've seen national. him in
1: person, right? You've seen him in person a number of times, right?
0: <laughs> I have, and he's really good. Uh, you know, any team should want him. I think everybody has acknowledged that. You know the. I'm more interested in the process, what's going to happen. I haven't heard much today on that either. Today was supposed to be something of a deadline on that, so that's the, that's the more pertinent uh, info concerning Shohei. He, he's a, he's a, a very talented young man. It can impact a, a major league roster in a number of different ways, so everybody is real interested to see what it's going to take to get him over here.
1: Would you let him do both? I mean, he's such a good hitter. Would you say, okay, you'll pitch for us and you'll hit for us?
0: Well, I think that possibility needs to be on the table for sure. And, you know, everything points to the fact that that's going to be a requirement on his behalf. That's what he wants to do. And, and you know, again, he'll, he has the hammer here and he gets to decide where he goes and what, what happens. So, you know, I, seeing his abilities both ways, it, it's much harder to translate the hitting part. From guys who play over there in Japan or Korea as we've seen over time so that's the more difficult assessment but he certainly has abilities that say he might be able to hit and have impact as a, as a hitter and with power and he certainly has abilities to to impact as a pitcher.
1: A couple final points for Mike Radcliffe of the Twins then we'll let him go. Mike is this a good free agent class to go grab a starter or a reliever? I mean it looks like at least from a reliever standpoint there are so many good options.
0: Well, there's always good options. It's really more where you are as an organization as a team as a uh as an entity to to absorb you know the free agent market is not efficient. You have to you normally have to pay considerably more than you know what the player is is normally worth so you know it depends on your needs. It depends on where you are as an organization. yeah, there are a number of options you know I know that Derek are doing their due diligence on all of them. And on the pitching side in particular, there's, there's a number of options that would be great fits
1: for us. But,
0: you know, then you have to do the next level, and that's do business. And that's that's somewhat
1: harder. You spend a lot of time working the international free agent market. How closely are you watching what's about to take place with the Braves, the punishments that they'll have to deal with?
0: Well, we all have our eyes on that because there's going to be players that we've all seen and and, and desired are potentially available. So, yeah, we're we're waiting to see how
1: that plays out here in the next few weeks, too. I mean, has it always been dirty and it's now just being <laughs> more brought to the light? Or have things shifted the last even few years? Because my sense is, even going back a number of years, there's a lot of shenanigans happening behind the scenes.
0: Well, it's become much more competitive.
1: Uh, you know,
0: we all have a similar playing field now with the, uh, the cap allotments that we have. And... uh you know we we've all seen that the the uh, the number of players from the international world playing in major league baseball is increasing every year you know these players are are viable major league players and when you are talking about acquiring excellent talent at the prices you're talking about it uh, unfortunately does bring out the shady side of competitiveness uh, you know it's been termed you know, the international market has been termed to be a little bit of the wild, wild west. And mm-hmm. There are rules, and, and, you know, most of us try to follow them, but it's real easy to find yourself in a gray area or even a red area, as apparently the, the Braves find themselves in. So, you know, it's, uh, it's an interesting realm to be involved in. You know, it's fun to watch the talent and make scouting assessments on the talent and to be a part of it. Uh, and I think Major League Baseball's done a great job of trying to, level of the playing field but they're also uh making us all much more accountable for how we go about our business and, uh, you know we'll see what happens in regards to this latest situation with atlanta over over the next coming weeks
1: i'll let you go after brief injury updates on some guys how's miguel Sano doing
0: well he had a surgery everything went fine you know that's not well nobody will really know until he gets going on the process of rehab and you know, the uh, prognosis is he'll be ready in spring training and ready to go. So there's no real change
1: in that right now. Trevor May.
0: Well, he feels great. He's ready to go. It'll nice. just be you know, just be a matter of, uh, you know, what his role can be, how many innings he can do, and when the rest will be off. When he's ready to, you know, contribute at the level that he was before he got hurt, he'll be a viable, you know, guy. Absolutely. Just just depends on where he fits in. What about Phil Hughes? Same deal. He's healthy, ready to go. How many things can he go? Where does he fit in? You know, hes uh, I think he's rejuvenated. feels good that the injury's behind him. So those two guys in particular are guys that'll be interesting to see where they can maybe contribute at the major league level ASAP.
1: What about JT Chagua?
0: Well, same. he You know, he's, he's rehabbing and he, he feels good, but he's going to have to get back out there and, and do it and show it. Yeah, so spring training and you know the first months of next year will be really important to see where he is and how, how he can fit in for us.
1: Twins V.P. Mike Radcliffe with encouraging updates, especially on Trevor May and Phil Hughes. On Miguel Sano, a reminder he's continuing his rehab in New York City, where his agent is based, where he had the surgery. Then in a couple weeks, he will transition to the Dominican Republic, then eventually, at least the Twins hope. He'll eventually transition to Fort Myers to finish his rehab. I would have asked about Ryan O'Rourke, but the Twins took him off the 40-man. Going back a number of days, he declared free agency. He had that right, I am told. The Twins had some interest in bringing him back and never got to the point of them making an offer because the O'Rourke camp said, hey, we are moving on, thanks, but no thanks. He signed a minor league deal with the Orioles. I'm told the Yankees also made an offer. So it came down to the Orioles and the Yankees. For O'Rourke, he had no interest in coming back to the Twins. We'll get to some more Twins tidbits in a second, but first, some love for Morty. M-O-R-T-Y, the newest and smartest way to get a home mortgage. If you've ever bought a home, you know that the mortgage process can be some of the most confusing and painful hours of your life. I mentioned on Scoop Podcast episode 109 that the Wolfson family... We love our West Metro location. We love the school district. We love everything about it. But from a space standpoint, or at least utilizing all the space we have in our current house, we don't do a good job with that. I don't know if we'll ever do a good job in our current house. So we are looking for a new house. It may not be this winter, maybe more so next spring or summer, but we're on the lookout. So trust me, going through the pre-approval process was not fun. Trust me, I deferred to Mrs. Wolfson. A ton. We actually put an offer in on a house that we got outbid on. So we went through the process in the last few months, got outbid. Now we're sitting back getting our house a little bit more seller ready, waiting until next spring or summer. But we are ready to strike. And trust me, we will use Morty. Take a hard look at Morty. We have to because with Morty, you'll get real loan options in minutes without ever being called or sold to a mortgage broker. Morty makes it fast and easy. Morty not only simplifies the process, but they help you find the smartest mortgage that's right for you. You just input your information into Morty's secure website, and in less time than it takes to hear this ad, you can shop qualified rates from different lenders. The website, here it is. You ready for it? It is TryMorty.com. TryMorty.com, and do this. Go to TryMorty.com backslash scoop to get started today. You'll have something that's specific to being a Scoop Podcast listener. So it's trymorty.com backslash scoop. They shop for loans from different lenders. You'll be able to pick the rate and term that best fits your needs. In addition to that, Morty can automatically generate a pre-approval letter online for you in minutes, which will help you speed up the home buying process and talk confidently to realtors and sellers. So, whether you're a first time home buyer, you're looking to refinance, you're interested in buying investment property, head over to trymorty.com, go to backslash scoop. So, trymorty.com, backslash scoop to get started. That's trymorty, T R Y M O R T Y, trymorty.com backslash scoop morty inc is a licensed mortgage broker equal housing lender www.nmisconsumeraccess.org number 1429243
0: here's what you may have missed on a recent purple podcast
1: sealant's ability to get open just amazes me and if you, you come to a game here live and watch it just watch him it's almost like he is, is playing schoolyard football. He just continues to move and move and move. And the great thing is, for the most part, if the pass is thrown in his vicinity, he's going to catch it. His unwillingness to give up on a route or give up on a play and continually go where he needs to go to be an option is really fun to watch. And it seems like, oh, yeah, duh, he gets paid lots of cash to, to do that. That should be simple. You see a lot of lot of guys who, when the play starts to go south, are like, well, I was open and now I'm not. Adam Thielen's willingness to make himself a target consistently is a huge, huge thing. You can find the Purple Podcast on iTunes, Podcast One, or 1500ESPN.com's podcast page. I bleeped up. I should have asked Mike Radcliffe about the trade market because I had another Twins official tell me to not dismiss the strong possibility that the Twins do make a trade. Now, we know they've talked to the Reds about the closer Iglesias. Credit to foxsports.com for the first to report that, or maybe John Morrissey now works for mlb.com. It was John Morrissey with that scoop. The two names I can add to the trade talks list, both Brad Hand of the Padres, Chaska Native, by the way, and Alex Colomay, of the Tampa Bay Rays. The Twins have talked to both the Rays and the Padres. Undoubtedly, they've talked to other teams as well. What a Twins official told me was, hey, you know what? Some of the money right now being tossed about for some of these free agents is so ridiculously high. Until the numbers come down, we'll be a bit more aggressive on the trade front. You have enough trade talk, inevitably something leads to action. I'm just told Derek Falvey, Thad Levine are very open to making a trade. So all Twins fans that are losing some patience... You know, we're now multiple weeks into the offseason. Nothing has happened yet. You want the Twins to fix the pitching staff, both the starters and the relievers. We talked about that with Mike Radcliffe. It is coming. I am convinced multiple moves are coming. In fact, them signing a lesser tier free agent wouldn't surprise me. But I'm just saying keep an eye on the trade market. There's undoubtedly more names than the three I just laid out, but those are certainly three to keep an eye on. Early numbers on a couple big fish in free agency. Now, do I think these guys will ultimately get these numbers? I don't. But here are some of the numbers being tossed about on a couple big-name free agents. One being Hugh Darvish. Six years, $180 million. Now, a reminder, the Twins did meet with his agent, Joel Wolf in Orlando at the GM meeting, so they know the price of poker. And again, I don't think you Darvish is getting six years, 180. But that is the starting point. So again, until these free agents come down a bit, that's where the Twins can be a bit more aggressive on the trade front. Alex Cobb, $100 million over five years. Is Alex Cobb that good? I mean, he's okay. Is he a $20 million a year pitcher? I don't think anybody would look at Alex Cobb and say, yeah, let's pay that guy. 20 million dollars a year that's why you hear the cubs the yankees and on Cobb. that's why on you darvish you hear some of the big market teams until the prices come down the twins are not paying ridiculous money even if the poll lads are on board to spend some money this winter you're not going to overpay at least overpay significantly some of these middle tier guys even if you darvish is an upper tier guy if you feel like hey that postseason debacle isn't who he is You're not paying him six years, $180 million. Words from a prominent agent, an agent that represents a couple, at least a couple. In fact, he represents top of my head, three or four pretty big name free agents on the twins. This agent, by the way, met with the twins at the GM meetings. Here are his exact words. Let me find the email. Where is it here? Give me a second. Here it is. All right, here we go. I think they feel their window is in another year or two. Wouldn't expect any big moves, end quote. Now, the Twins realize, hey, the window is open right now. Even if the window is maybe more so open 2019, 2020, they don't want to take a step back in 2018. That's where I think they'll do some stuff, but that's where I would keep an eye on the trade front as much as anything. Some more Twins notes, co byline or co-whatever you want to call it. On this mini scoop, I had it with Joe Schmidt, my colleague at Channel Five, Five Eyewitness News. I actually tweeted this late last week. It was after I taped episode one oh nine. So always be sure to check out the Twitter page, D Wolfson KSTP. At D Wolfson KSTP, because I tweet out stuff that I hear after recording oftentimes the podcast, like the Tyler Johnson news last week as well. So anyway, the twins I still don't have a name. They won't give me a name, but the twins hired a trainer with ties to Japanese baseball. So he knows you Darvish well. He knows Shohei Otani well. Doesn't mean the Twins are getting either guy. The Twins will try on both guys. But just something interesting. Just another angle now. This guy got the job on his own merits. He didn't get the job because the Twins think they can get Darvish or Otani because of this individual. He got the job because he is a darn good trainer in their eyes. But just another interesting angle or tentacle you know, to the Twins thinking out of the box, find that interesting that they hired a trainer who knows a couple of these guys really, really well. We talked with Mike Radcliffe about Otani. We talked with him about the Atlanta Braves situation, the Braves being stripped of 2016 international free agents. The top dog is a kid from Venezuela, Kevin mayton Kevin Maiton. Yes, the Twins will have interest in Kevin Mayton. The Twins have over $3 million dollars. When it comes to international money, they had to void the contract of Jelfrey Marte, who was in town in mid-September, failed a physical related to his site. Now, the Twins don't want to say why, but it was because of a failed physical. They will confirm they voided the contract. So that contract was for roughly $3 million. So the Twins get that $3 million back. They'd spent some money on some bit-free agents, but they pretty much have like 3-2, 3-3, something like that. So they could offer Kevin Maton... All sorts of money. He is represented by the legacy agency. The Twins have a good relationship with that agency. Now, a number of teams will have interest in Maton. He is one of these uber prospects, even though last year didn't go so well. But, yes, the Twins will have interest in Kevin Maton. I'm told when it came to the 40-man roster, the guys they deliberated on the most, Jake Reed, you had Cole Stewart, and Birdie. So the three pitchers, Reed, Stewart, Birdie. Now, people have asked about what about Diaz? You know, there's some other guys. Did they deliberate a lot on those guys? Yeah, I mean, to a degree. And there were differing opinions on a number of guys, but I'm told the three they spent the most time on, they had the most deliberations on. There were certainly some differences of opinion. Ultimately, Falvey, Levine went out. It's Reed, Stewart, Birdie. So those guys are eligible for the Rule 5 draft. On to the Wolves. I'm told they have made a call on free agent. I don't even know how to pronounce his first name, but Kuzminskis, the guy that the Knicks just let go. He cleared waivers. The Knicks had to create a spot for Joe Kim Noah. Kuzminskis can help somebody off the bench. 6869, he can shoot the ball. I'm told the Wolves have reached out. I continue to hear, though, there's no way he's coming here. His camp looks at the Wolves, sees that Tom Thibodeau doesn't use his bench much. Trust me, Kuzminskis is not ending up with the Wolves, but I'm told They did reach out, that there was some sort of dialogue between the two sides. But again, do not look for Kuzminskis to end up with the Wolves. Wolves GM Scott Layden has been busy scouting. It's that time of the year when multiple teams are playing in the same venue. He's been busy scouting the last week. Last week he was in Chicago for Duke-Michigan State, plus Kansas-Kentucky. Then he went off to New York. Over the weekend he saw Virginia Tech, Providence, Washington, and St. Louis – Then on Monday night, he was back in New York, probably just stayed in New York. He's got some family there in New York, probably just stayed there over the weekend. Texas A&M, so Texas A&M with Robert Williams, who's a lottery pick, played in New York on Monday. Also, Brian Pauga, Wolves personnel guy, was in Chicago for those Duke-Michigan State games and Kansas-Kentucky. On Shabazz Muhammad had a prominent NBA Figure who I've trusted for a long time actually reached out to me unprompted and said, "Hey, what are the Wolves doing playing Shabazz Muhammad so much?" I don't have that answer. This person even went as far as to say he doesn't think Muhammad will be in the NBA next year. I respectfully disagree. I think he'll be in the NBA. But if this year was all about making more money because the Wolves now have his bird rights, and you know the thought that hey, I'll come back to Minnesota on a veteran minimum contract because I can then hit the payday. For next year, it doesn't appear that will be the case. But I still think Shabazz Muhammad will have a job in the NBA. He'll just have to play for peanuts. But, yeah, one thing I don't get, this person doesn't get either, is why do they keep rolling with Muhammad in the second quarter, yanking Bielitsa off the court? So oftentimes they'll bring in Jimmy Butler to play the four spot. Why not have Jimmy go in for Shabazz? Jimmy plays the three. Bielitsa stays on the court. Bielitsa plays the four. I mean, nobody can deny that Nemanja Bielitza is off to a good start, that he needs to play more minutes. Why Tom Thibodeau doesn't play Bielita more minutes is a head-scratcher. Catching up with this league official, he brought up a couple other points. He said, hey, calm down a bit. The Wolves still have a winning record. Give them 20 to 25 games before you formulate solid opinions. That's something I've said for a number of years. Do not formulate strong opinions right now. Give it another 10 games or so, then go from there. Now I get it. When it comes to Tom Thibodeau, there's actually a sample size of 100 games. The 18 this year. 82 last year where you can formulate opinions on Tibbs that's fine but I'm just saying with a new crop of guys this year let's give it another 8 to 10 to 15 games before we formulate solid opinions also keep in mind the Wolves are over 500 now in the same breath when this guy told me to you know keep in mind hey it's a long season it's still early give it some time he said hey things are going so south with the LA Clippers how great of a fit would DeAndre Jordan be next to Carl Anthony Towns I said hey you know, in a bubble, sure, when not having to deal with salary ramifications, cap ramifications, yes. How good of a fit would DeAndre Jordan be next to Carl Anthony Towns? This official also said, hey, maybe not now, but eventually he gets the sense that the Clippers will blow things up. And if they blow things up, that means they will move DeAndre Jordan. Do I see a logical match with the Wolves? No. Have the Wolves talked to the Clippers from everything I know? No. Do I think the Wolves will be active near the trade deadline? I do. I continue to hear, though, they won't take back much money when it comes to, you know, long term. I mean, if they move Cole Aldrich's contract, you're only going to take back so much money when it comes to 2018-2019. I've said they've done their homework on Jared Dudley. He would be a name I'd keep an eye on. Heck, you can make a case they need some rebounding help. Tyson Chandler could help, but you'd have to move out money to bring in Chandler and Dudley, even to bring in Tyson Chandler. So, again... You know, I think the Wolves will try to be active. They do have that Cole Aldrich contract to shop. But how active can they be with that contract? Also, I don't get the sense the Wolves are moving the Oklahoma City pick. Maybe that will change. But as we talk here on November 21st, you know, pre-Thanksgiving, I don't get the sense the Wolves are moving that pick. So how aggressive can they be with limited assets, at least limited assets you know, when it comes to who they are willing to move. I was happy to see earlier this week that Zach Levine has been cleared for practice. Zach Levine close to coming back from the ACL. Chris Dunn, if you look at his last five games, he is playing well. Laurie Markkinen, who was the Wolves guy if they had stayed at pick seven. You know, ultimately Chicago gets him in the Jimmy Butler trade. Lori Markkinen off to a good start. Many rookies are. He is among that group. So that trade in the long run should work out okay for Chicago Levine. Dunn, maybe Dunn's not a starter, but he can be a role player, a guy that can help. And then Markkinen is a good player. So you get Levine, who's got a really high ceiling. You've got Markkinen, then Dunn. Yes, the Wolves would make that trade 10 out of 10 times. Jimmy Butler is that good. But just keep in mind, it wasn't a complete disaster for Chicago. By the way, on the rookie class, I brought up either last week or the week before that, you know, Bam Adebayo, who had a good game when Miami played the Wolves down in Miami that Bam likely was the Wolves guy at pick 16 if he hadn't gone a couple picks prior, you know, and I stand by that. I trust my my sources on that one. But how about John Collins? I mean, I keep looking at the box scores of the Atlanta Hawks games because I like to follow a friend of the podcast, Mike Muscala of Roseville High School, who's on the Hawks, love the Muscala family. So anyway, I look at the Atlanta Hawks box scores often, watch them on league pass as much as I can. John Collins, the rookie from Wake Forest, is off to a phenomenal start He went three picks later, so that might be the guy we have to compare Justin Patton to. Now, it's not fair to make any comparison right now because Justin Patton hasn't played. I did see him at the facility a few days ago. He looked good shooting free throws. He has to be close. In fact, I'm positive he's close to getting full clearance. When he does, he'll practice a bit, but he'll spend most of the year in Iowa. So really, we won't be able to make the comparison until I think at some point next year or the year after. But do know another big man went three picks later, John Collins. And he is off to a really good start. So that might be the one we look at and say, whoa. Gophers football had the note on the Twitter page, D. Wolfson KSTP, about Tyler Johnson. It happened in the Nebraska game. It's a wrist injury, more so a wrist. Might be a hand. You know, it's nothing that's going to keep him out a super long time. He won't play against Wisconsin. Couldn't play last week against Northwestern. If they somehow qualify for a bowl, there's even a chance, an outside chance he could play in the bowl game. More likely, though, is he'll be back for spring practice. I wouldn't worry long-term about Tyler Johnson. Just unfortunate he can't play in the big rivalry game. I mean, the 1A game. We can talk all we want about Iowa, but the game that matters the most on the Gophers' schedule year in and year out is the one this weekend against Wisconsin. So no Tyler Johnson for the Gophers against the Badgers. The Indianapolis Colts were the one NFL team that scouted last week's game. Gophers Northwestern, Shannon Brooks. It's been one injury after another. A shoulder issue at one point. At least it was listed as a shoulder issue. I'm told it was more a neck issue. Some concussion issues this year. It looks like he will miss the Wisconsin game. In many ways, just a lost year, unfortunately, for a talented young man, Shannon Brooks. On offensive lineman Connor Olsen of Monticello, he got hurt during the Northwestern game. I'm told he is questionable to probable to play against Wisconsin. So a glimmer of hope on the injury front when it comes to the Gophers that Connor Olson may be able to go against Wisconsin. P.J. Fleck was on the road again earlier this week, Monday, presumably to go see a quarterback. It's been all about trying to find a 2018 quarterback and a 2019 quarterback, actually multiple quarterbacks. P.J. Fleck will be on the road again after the banquet on Sunday. So the Gophers play Saturday, season-ending banquet on Sunday. By Sunday night, Monday morning, P.J. Fleck on the road. He knows. I've said this so many times. At least he gets. No guarantees he'll fix the quarterback position but he understands how badly the quarterback position needs to be fixed. Stop inundating me with Demry Croft is the future. He's not. Will he have a chance? I mean, heck, he'll be here. If he wants to be here, he can be here. He can compete throughout the winter, spring ball, have a chance next summer, summer practice. But I'll continue to say that the Gophers' long-term answer at the quarterback position is not currently on the roster. P.J. Fleck working diligently to fix the quarterback problem. Unfortunately, he lost out on Brennan Armstrong, the Ohio kid. He committed the other day to Virginia. It's a mutual parting. Now, I tried to get Brennan on this podcast, tried to get his dad on this podcast, neither got back to me, texted both, neither got back to me. Did talk to a Gopher source, so I only have one side of the story, but the Gopher source said, hey, the more and more we researched Brennan Armstrong, there were more red flags. Now, is that the Gophers covering their ass? because they lost out on a pretty good quarterback, I'll let you decide that. I'd like to hear the other side before coming you know, to a final conclusion. When I only get one side, it's not really fair. But I can tell you, from the Gophers' side, the word is, hey, we found more red flags. It is a mutual parting. Good news for the Gophers. This from 1500 ESPN contributor Daniel House. I saw him tweet this on Monday night. The Gophers got a preferred walk-on commitment, Gophers football, from a wide receiver from Green Bay, Cordell Tinch. Now, he'll actually be on scholarship at Minnesota as a track athlete. He is a phenomenal track athlete. But when it comes to football, heck, he almost got an Iowa offer. So apparently getting him as a preferred walk-on for the football team is a big-time win. So that is good recruiting news when it comes to the Gophers. Cordell Tinch, good scoop by my friend Daniel House. On the Vikings, I can't recall if I mentioned this on Scoop Podcast episode 109. If I did, forgive me. Adam Thielen is on his way to well over 90 catches. When he hits the 90 catch mark, he is a $1 million escalator in his contract. So his contract goes up by $1 million in 2018. This is the first year of his new deal. There are no incentive bonuses. Those kick in 2018-2019. So if he continues to play at this sort of level, he'll hit all sorts of incentives. But, hey, hitting a $1 million escalator... That's pretty darn good. Adam Thielen has been off the charts good for the Vikings. I was in the Vikings locker room on Monday. The always entertaining Everson Griffin gave us a few minutes. Unplugged Everson Griffin is the best. Here are some highlights from the Everson Griffin Monday locker room media scrum. You ever thought on the Lions left tackle this time around?
2: Tyler Decker. But yeah, he's good. Yeah, he's a first rounder. Um You know, you know, I I just feel, you know, if they give me enough rushes, I could be whoever they line up against me. And that's the honest truth. You know, I'm not. You know, Greg, Greg Robertson, he was lazy, you know, and this guy's a good player, you know. Um, I just call it like it is. Um, we gonna battle, you know, he's a good player, we gonna battle, and, but, you know, I feel like if, whenever I get an opportunity to give me enough rushes, I could wear the guy down because my motor never stops, but, you know, it's not, you know, I just have confidence, you know, I'm not trying to be cocky or anything, just, you know, I know what I could do, and, you know, I'm ready to ride for my team and win a Super Bowl. That's what it's about, you know, it's not about the sack streak, it's not about um, how many sacks can I get a game, or it's about winning games, and we're winning, we eight and two. And whatever I could do on a daily basis to help my team win games, to get the big fatty and that's the Super Bowl ring and our home state, you know, that's what it's about. So we gotta talk it into existence and keep on playing like we playing. But, you know, he's a he's a good he's a good tackle. He's real good. Um he worked hard, you know, he's a good tackle. You know, I can I'm excited. I like going get great players, you know, because it owner makes me better. Um I know um you know the training staff did a great job and you know I do a lot of stuff on my own as well too, you know, by getting massages, acupuncture, meeting specialists, doing a lot of doing a lot of different things to be able to and, you know, held up well and it's only gonna get better and I'm excited and I'm happy. And, um, you know, my morale is up. You know, I'm more happier, you know, because, you know, nobody like an injured Everson. So <laughs> I'm very grouchy. So, you know, like Shug's always say, I make everybody miserable when I'm miserable. So that's the truth.
1: The always entertaining Everson Griffin. On the Vikings injury front, Mike Remmers was able to do some stuff in Tuesday's practice. Now, heck, he was able to do some stuff in practice last week. The real question will be, how does he respond when he wakes up? On Wednesday morning, but there's a chance Mike Rummers is back for the Lions game, if not the Lions game, probably the Falcons game. It doesn't appear to be a long-term type situation, but you never know when we're talking about a brain injury. A concussion is a brain injury. I think sometimes we forget that. Also, injured guy, Sandejo talked to a few of us in the locker room on Tuesday said he feels a lot better, so there's a good chance Sandejo is back on Thursday. And Mike Zimmer, for what it's worth, if you want to take him at face value, says he's not worried about Xavier Rhodes and Mackenzie Alexander. On Monday at Dunkers, Blake Barrett's local agent, Brian Murphy the agent for Harrison Smith, Kyle Rudolph, Everson Griffin, so many players across the NFL, and Rob Brzezinski of the Vikings talked to the assembled luminaries, Bob Hagen of the Vikings, among those luminaries and others. There's a few media members that are a part of the Dunkers, but it's hard for a media member to become a member of Dunkers. Most of us are not allowed in, but oftentimes if you leave the business for a little bit, then you can get in anyway. I'm told nothing overly juicy was exposed or expressed. It was a lot about just the nuances of the business. So it was the agents talking about how they negotiate contracts, Rob Brzezinski talking about how he puts together contract proposals, contract renegotiations, and so on. But I'm told the threesome, Murphy, Barrett, and Brzezinski, were very entertaining on Monday. We've got at least gopher's men's basketball notes to get to, but first, some love for another sponsor of the Scoop podcast, Running Tap. Running-Tap.com is the website. They are a local startup that delivers beer directly from tap rooms to you. People don't think about it, but beer in the liquor stores has been sitting around sometimes upwards of six months for an IPA that clearly impacts how that IPA is supposed to taste. Also, there's 150-plus breweries in the state now. Many of those guys are making small batches of amazing stuff, but 90% of those beers don't make it into the liquor stores or bars, but they can make it into your living room or wherever you want the beer delivered. They deliver right to you. They deliver on Sundays as well, no markup. Same price Sunday, Saturday, you name it. So check out the website, running-tap.com, to get some good local beer delivered right to you. Again, running-tap.com, and do this. When you put in your order, use the promo code THESCOOP002. scoop 2 the That gets you $20 off your order, as long as it's $30 or more. You spend $33.00. You get that order for $13, $20 off. How about that? I'm Will Hunting. I can do the math on that. Think about that. $20 off is one heck of a deal on a purchase of $30 or more. Running-Tap.com. Use the promo code, TheScoop002. Gophers, men's basketball. We had a fun chat with Richard Coffey, Amir Coffey's dad, the former Gopher, former Timberwolf, on episode 109. If you want to hear Richard's perspective on many things big picture, Gophers, men's basketball, smaller picture Gophers, men's basketball for sake of this podcast, the Nuggets, the Lakers, the Cavs, the Thunder, and the Celtics have all scouted the Gophers so far. Many more teams will be in next week for the Big Ten ACC Challenge, the Gophers against Miami. If this week goes well for the Gophers, if this week goes well for Miami, both teams should be in the top 15. Who knows? Maybe even the top 10. That will be really fun next week at the bar in midweek. Gophers, Miami Hurricanes. The Hurricanes have a couple NBA players. I continue to hear from NBA scouts that Amir Coffey is the gopher they are watching the most. But Reggie Lynch has an NBA skill when it comes to blocking shots. Isaiah Washington has a bright future. You know, Nate Mason, I haven't heard much NBA buzz on Nate Mason. But Nate Mason is good enough to make money somewhere. Might have to go over to Europe or if he wants to play in the G League. But Nate Mason can play basketball for money after this year. But again, Amir Coffey is the best NBA prospect right now on the Gophers. Also for the Miami game, the Gophers are welcoming a number of local recruits from Terry of De La Salle, Matthew Hurt. A number of guys will be at that game. So that will be a busy night at the barn for NBA scouts, plus the Gophers when it comes to local recruits. The buzz will be unbelievable. The barn will be a buzz next week. Gophers-Hurricanes next Wednesday The 29th. Matthew Hurt, speaking of Matthew Hurt, one of the best players in the country, class of 2019, current junior at Rochester, John Marshall. Anytime he's at the barn, that's a good thing. He was there on Sunday for the Gophers' Western Carolina game. He'll be there a lot because older brother Michael plays for the Gophers. Michael, by the way, off to a good start. Good shooter, good passer, good cutter. Michael Hurt can help the Gophers off the bench. Also, you should know this because I've been asked this a bunch on Twitter, so I guarantee... A lot of people aren't aware of this. This is not a scoop per se. It's just a reminder that the games this weekend in Brooklyn, the game against UMass on Friday, then Alabama on Saturday, are not on TV. However, you can watch the games on Facebook. Yes, Facebook. It's Stadium TV. If you do a Google search, you can get all the information. So there will be essentially webcasts. You'll be able to watch if you have access to Facebook. You will be able to watch the Gophers Friday and Saturday, but there's no conventional TV No ESPN, ESPN2, FS1, Big Ten Network. It's unfortunate, especially Alabama. Alabama's got the Sexton kid, the point guard. That's a lottery pick. Alabama is a top 25 team. So you've got two top 25 teams playing on Saturday, Gophers, Alabama. And the game is not on TV. But it's not like it's impossible to watch. You just have to find it on Facebook. So, again, Gophers, Massachusetts, Gophers, Alabama, Friday and Saturday in Brooklyn. Facebook only when it comes to... Watching the games, we don't need the swoosh because I'm pretty much wrapping up the podcast, but good to see Charlie Coyle back for the wild. We had Brent Flair on a recent scoop podcast, Wild of vP. He had told us he wasn't lying. How about that? He told us the truth, Charlie Coyle ahead of schedule that Coyle was expected back before the month was over. I think he's even back maybe a game or two ahead of schedule, and he was ahead of schedule to begin with, but even ahead of you know the next schedule, so the initial schedule was a few more weeks. Then he kept rehabbing, he works his ass off, he's making progress. Next thing you know, he's playing on the 20th, Monday the 20th, against New Jersey. So good news when it comes to Charlie Coyle. Again, happy Thanksgiving to everybody who chooses to listen to this podcast. I know it's a very competitive marketplace when it comes to podcasts. There are so many options. I try to carve out a niche with with the scoop that hopefully you're hearing some stuff on here that you haven't heard elsewhere you know, sometimes I try to. In fact, oftentimes I mix in a guest just because it's hard to talk for forty-five to fifty consecutive minutes. I need a little back and forth. You know, heck, at some point I'd love to have a co-host on this podcast. But until the podcast can become priority number one, you know, heck, it works out. We've got sponsors. I mean, you think about supporting the sponsors. You know, Vine Park Brewing, Vinepark dot com, Running Tap, Running hyphen Tap. You've got Morty, Trymorty dot com, the mortgage lender. You know, so we've got people that are supporting the Scoop podcast financially. So, we appreciate them a ton, but just from, you know, a logistics standpoint, you know, a full-time job standpoint, you know, really being able to support the Scoop podcast, I just can't do this as often as I would like. But I try to do it as often as I can. Sometimes it's two times a week, oftentimes it's one time a week. This week it'll be one time a week, but whether you choose to listen one time, five times, 10 times, you have it on your iTunes. You know, it just it automatically refreshes every time there's a new episode. However you get the Scoop podcast, I can't express how much thankfulness I have for you. For you taking the time to listen to this podcast, for choosing this podcast when there are so many different podcasts you could listen to. Have a happy and healthy Thanksgiving. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to Scoop podcast episode 110.